All right, let's talk about this next spiritual practice. It's the spiritual practice of worship. All right, now when I say that word worship, many of you probably get one image in your mind, and that would be partially correct, but worship is so much more than just singing some songs on a Sunday morning. Let me explain. Uh, spiritual growth, spiritual growth is about our relationship with God. We are personally transformed by a more and more intimate connection with him. So as we're more intimate with Christ, as we're more intimate with him, it changes us. It, it transforms us. But our relationship with God is unlike any other relationship, isn't it? Even though Jesus urged us to call God Father, our relationship with him is just different than any relationship we have with other people. Worship. Worship is a way of reminding, ourself, reminding ourselves that he is our creator, and we are the created. He's worthy of worship. He is Father, and we can know him as Father, but he's also God. He's also Lord. And so when we worship, when we worship, we do two different things. Number one, we praise God simply because he's God, and he's worthy of our praise, right? We're not following God because it's just useful to us. We're following God because, well, he's God, and he's worthy of being followed. Sometimes modern-day Christians, especially in the West, we can get on board with faith ideas because we feel like it's useful. We feel like that it's, it's helpful to us. Now, I do believe following Jesus makes us better because I believe his ways are the ways. But we're not Christians just because it's handy. We're not Christians even just because it's useful to us. Hopefully, somewhere along our journey and somewhere along the way, we're following Jesus because he's worthy to be followed, because he is like the disciples confessed after they saw him resurrected from the dead, my Lord and my God. He's God, and so he's worthy of it. And worship, worship it puts that back into perspective for us. In other words, if, if I didn't really feel like I was getting all the usefulness out of this, I, I would still worship you anyway. I would still follow you anyway because you are God, and so you're worthy of my praise. But number two, worship, it also communicates our gratitude that God loved us enough to send his only son to save us. And so we're acknowledging who God is, and we're just expressing gratitude for his goodness to us, his amazing love that he's bestowed upon each and every one of us. There's a story. There's a story in the Gospel of John about how John the Baptist, whose mission was to announce the coming of Jesus, he was beginning to lose some of his followers. And they were leaving him. They were leaving him so that they could actually follow Jesus. And he was asked about this. He was questioned about, why are so many people like leaving you now, John, and they're going to follow Jesus? And here was John's answer. This is what he said. It's recorded in John chapter three, verse 30. He says, he must become greater and I must become less. He must become greater and I must become less. In essence, when we worship, we are in a way adopting a similar posture. He must become greater and I must become less. We acknowledge that we are small, compared to the greatness of God, and God is great. We declare that our agenda is subordinate to his. It's, it, it, it must remain submitted to his. So how would you define the tone of your relationship with God? Is it built on fear of judgment? Is it defined by a sense of spiritual inadequacy and unworthiness? Is it undermined by a sense of guilt over past mistakes or your present shortcomings? 
Those negative experiences are rooted in a fundamental misunderstanding of God's nature and God's character. Why, why do I ask these questions and bring this up? Well, because worship is actually the spiritual practice that we can use and we can engage with to reset our connection with God. And we can reset that connection with God and base it now on his goodness rather than our failures and our shortcomings. Worship is powerful. Worship is amazing. And when we begin to engage with it in healthy ways, it can reset all kinds of things. <clears throat> Jesus said in John chapter 4, verses 23 to 24, he said, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. In our context, we're tempted to think of worship as singing songs at the beginning of church services. That's certainly part of it. Uh, but for many people, singing songs is simply just a part of a much larger, more significant picture. Worship is so much more than just a category or a classification of songs. Now, hopefully we take time to worship with songs and with music and do that. It, it does definitely it does definitely help us, but worship, it takes more, many more forms than that. And it can be shaped by our unique mixes of temperament, of personality, of culture, experience, talent, and faith backgrounds. For some, uh, other spiritual practices like prayer, practicing solitude and silence, fasting, service, generosity, or even observing the Sabbath, they can all be acts of worship the things that they practice, the spiritual disciplines, it is an act of worship that literally the practices of their life are an offering. They're, they're worship to the Lord. Even simple daily tasks like going to work, doing household chores, they can be worshipful if done with a focus on connecting with God. Uh, in the prayer session, I referenced there's a book of liturgies that I've been using recently uh, in my own prayer life, and uh, it's called Every Moment Holy. And when you read the book, some of you might be shocked. I kind of looked at it and just be honest, I kind of snickered a little bit at some of the different liturgies and prayers that were written out. There were, there were so many different liturgies about, you know, a, a prayer for doing laundry. There was one, a prayer for the first fire in your fireplace at the beginning of the season. There was a prayer for setting up a tent when you're going camping, all these different types of things. And my first reaction to all of that was like, that's kind of overkill. That's kind of weird in doing it. And I get it. It can look in those ways. But when I stopped and when I got kind of past my, my snickering and all that, again, just being real, and I looked at it, I realized what the author was doing as he was writing these prayers is he was basically communicating that every aspect of your life can be a moment of worship. Something as simple as watching a sunrise, that there's a moment that's holy about that. It can, it can be precious, that, that from even lighting the first fire in your fireplace, that there's, there's a prayer that you can utter thanks to God. There's a prayer for those who enjoy a hot shower on a cold morning and doing that of just like you're in that moment of being warmed by the water that's washing your body, you can offer up a moment of worship and of praise to God. It, it really is real that there's the, the intricate parts of our daily tasks, like going to work and doing chores, they can be worshipful if they're done with a focus on connecting with God. In whatever form it takes, <coughs> worship is ultimately our grateful response to God who loves us so much 
that he gave his one and only son so that we would have the opportunity to believe and have eternal life. It's a continual reminder that even though we may not be worthy of God's love, he loves us anyway. There was a 17th, the 17th century monk named Brother Lawrence. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, he described the profound simplicity of worship in his short book called The Practice of the Presence of God. This is one of the quotes from it. He says, We ought not to be weary of doing little things for the love of God, who regards not the greatness of the work, but the love with which it is performed. I love that. That just in the little tasks and the little things of our life that when they're done as an act of love and devotion to him, it's seen as something beautiful. It's, a, it's an offering before God. So celebration of God's love is essential to the practice of worship. It's embracing a, a deep joy that is grounded in our relationship with God that's made possible by Jesus. It's a joy that transcends even our most difficult circumstances. In his book, The Spirit of Disciplines, Dallas Willard, he describes this celebration as the completion of worship, for it dwells on the greatness of God as shown in his goodness to us. We engage in celebration when we enjoy ourselves, our life, our world in conjunction with our faith, confident in God's greatness, in his beauty, and in his goodness. So, enjoying life, experiencing all of that, that we, it's, it's celebration. It can be an act of worship to him. On the surface, worship can appear naive. It can seem like we're ignoring or even denying the pessimistic reality of a world that often seems dark and it often seems broken. <coughs> what, is there to, what is there to worship or celebrate? when we're surrounded by violence and poverty and divisiveness and selfishness and corruption and bitterness and disease and death. And, you know, it goes on and on and on. There's like, oh, you're ignoring the realities of this world, but no, no. Worship is the celebration. Worship and celebration strengthens us by bringing us into alignment with a deeper reality. That's why Paul can write from a prison, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It, he was in alignment with a deeper reality that when we sometimes see in the world around us through Christ, God is in the process of redeeming all of creation. That's why Paul and Silas locked up in prison can worship. They can praise. They see that deeper reality. They see that even though it's bleak now, or even though it doesn't look like it's going well now, he's redeeming all things, making all things new. Worship is a way to remind ourselves of the hope we have in Jesus. More important, it trains us to live continually in God's presence at work, at home, and at church. That's what Jesus meant by worshiping in spirit and in truth. It encompasses all of these things. So, my friends, worship, it's essential to renewing our minds, which is the central purpose of all of these spiritual practices. So I want to invite you, invite you into two different things. Number one, to begin to see your life as an opportunity of worship. 
Begin to see your life as an opportunity of, there are moments all throughout your day. And I don't want to over-spiritualize this or make this weird. I, I, I detest you know, people that get really weird about this type of stuff. But there's a meaningfulness. There, there's a beauty to this to recognize that every moment of our life that, that, that can be holy, it can be beautiful, and that the, the daily tasks of our lives, it can be an act of worship and offering to God. And that there are different ways that we can incorporate the other form of worship, the, the singing and, and just focusing our minds on God, that it just helps recenter some things and it helps us keep our focus where it needs to be. So I want to invite you to begin to consider and engage in the spiritual practice of worship and making it a regular part of your faith journey.